This is Wealth Curve Talk with John L. Smallwood, certified financial planner and president of Smallwood Wealth Management. With more than 30 years of experience in helping people with wealth management, financial planning, business ownership, estate planning, insurance, and more, John's here to share the news you can use to improve your financial confidence. Now, best-selling author and six-time five-star wealth manager award winner, John L. Smallwood. Welcome to today's podcast topic. Brace yourself because it's more taxation, more tax, tax, tax. As I said in virtually every day that I'm on and that I'm talking and doing things is that taxation is the greatest destructor of wealth. And you can see it clearly in the economy as we've been in a low tax environment. There's been a lot of investment. There's been a lot of benefits and wealth has grown exponentially for a lot of people, partly because of the taxation um, and partly because of other government stimulus and other related things. But in order to pay for that stimulus and the potential future stimulus that is coming, we need to have some sort of tax structure in order to pay that, which basically means, bottom line, we might pay more taxes, which means we have less money to save, invest, and live and lifestyle, etc. So what I wanted to do is, these are the highlights of what potentially could be coming in this $2.9 trillion tax law to pay for the $1.2 trillion infrastructure plan. So the infrastructure plan, you know, there's ways that that's going to be generate its own taxes. But when you start to think about the law, in order to pay for this 2.9, 3.6, 3.1, whatever the number is going to be is, how are you going to pay for it? Okay. So first thing out of the gate is high income tax individuals, items, okay? They're discussing bringing the top marginal bracket from 37% up to 39.6. The marginal bracket, just so you understand this, you have effective bracket, you have marginal bracket, right? So marginal bracket is where your last dollar is being taxed and where do you begin in that tax thing? As we sit down and we think about this, right? So 37 to 39.6 doesn't sound like a big idea or a big problem, but understanding where the marginal bracket is, is right now, if I am married filing joint and my income is over 628,000, that's when I hit the marginal bracket of 37%. With the reduction to 39.6, Married filing jointly at $450,000. So when you think about it, right now, if your income is below $418,000, that's taxed at 32%. $418,000 is at 35%. So $418,000 with the $450,000, you're going to go from 35 to 396 So it's being past or discussed is only going from 37 to 39.6, but for the majority of you know people that are in that 400,000 plus range, it's a significant tax bite, right? So now there's a discussion on taking the capital gains right now from 20% top bracket to 25%, but I think there's a misnomer out there, and I'm not really sure of how they're talking about it as far as these bands. But if your income is between zero and 80,000, 
there's no capital gains. That rate is 0% married filing joint. Between 80 and 501,000, it's 15%. And over 500, it's 20%. So again, you know, we could be seeing a significant increase depending upon how they make those changes, right? The net investment income tax, which is that 3.8% Medicare tax, right now, as your income is derived of different things, what you're looking at is as the income, that net investment income tax is another 3.8% tax when the income is over $400,000 or $500,000 for a joint filer, okay? So, but now it would tax all different types of income as opposed to just wages. So they're exposing more of it. Capital gain is there, wages is there, but S corporations and things like that were not being subject to that net investment tax. So they'd be bringing more income back into the net investment income tax. The big thing that's out here in the um, 2017 tax law was the concept of the 199A deduction or qualified business income. I had put together a guide about it because I thought it was such an important thing. And the 199A deduction applies to real estate income. It applies to earned income from a business or profits from a business, pass-through entities. Again, what we were discussing and that 199A deduction is a 20% deduction or a function of the amount of employees and payroll that you have. But effectively, if somebody's earning $100,000 in their business as far as profit not going through salary, that $100,000 gets a 20% QBI deduction or 199A deduction, which means you're only paying tax on 80 versus 100. And there is, depending on the industry, and the type of industry, there's no cap on how much can actually be earned or what that deduction is. And what they're talking about is setting a maximum allowable deduction at $500,000 in a joint return or $400,000 for an individual return. So in this initial latest thing, QBI is still here. So as a business owner, if you're not currently maximizing that QBI, you're not going to take advantage of this $500,000 the right way as well. And I think this is one of those deductions that's probably one of the most valuable deductions that I've seen in the business community for a very, very long time. There's an impact to the carried interest, which doesn't really apply to a lot of people. But they're also talking about accelerating the expiration of the TCJ Act, right? The estate and gift tax printer. So the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the estate tax, right? So right now, the exemption doubled from 11 to 24 million, and you can give away that money. They're talking about bringing that down. There's different numbers, but that gift tax allowance, that's another tax which if the exemption comes down to three or four or five million dollars from the 22, many more people will have their estates subject to estate taxes. There's significant changes to the way a grant or a trust can be taxed and also modification to the estate valuation rules. So how do you value something in the estate if you have an LLC or a minority shareholder interest in a business or something to that nature? There are discounts that can be taken. Plus, there's a concept called the step up in basis. And that step up in basis is something that it's a really interesting thing. Like, it, let's say that I own 
a house that I paid, you know, your parents paid $40,000 for the house in 1972, and it's now worth $700,000. They die, and that passes to you. That house has stepped up in basis. You sell the house for $700,000. You don't pay any taxes. And what they're talking about is eliminating the step up in basis to those types of assets. It would apply to stocks and bonds, business interests, et cetera. So there's significant deterioration in, in wealth because there'd be a lot more taxes being paid. And it's a pretty significant raise when you think about it, right? There's concepts out there that they're talking about raising the corporate tax to 26.5%. They're talking about marking to market the, the corporation so they have to pay tax on the gains. The other thing that's really interesting to me is that there's further tobacco and nicotine taxes, there's which hurts a large portion of the population. It's another tax, which is, you know, it's a consumption tax. The people that are doing it actually benefit from it or, you know, don't benefit from it. They actually pay more for it. But there's a lot more scrutiny going to happen. One of the, in the funding, it's the IRS funding. It provides for $80 billion over the next 10 years to hire more agents to go after enforcement because I think enforcement is one of the issues where potentially things are not tracked well enough because there's not enough people to actually go after it, um, which, you know, we all want to pay our taxes. We want to pay our fair share of taxes. We don't want to pay any more than our fair share of taxes. And what happens is, it, you know, depending upon the types of income that you receive, there could be abuses in that. So, but you have to be ready for this, right? And there's changes being discussed that could impact the 401k deductibility. Um, they were in, they were out. There's a lot of different tax laws that are going to make you think and rethink the way you're approaching tax reduction strategies. One of the most important parts of any financial plan is, you know, we look at it from the standpoint of we have to reduce taxes, not only today, but our strategies have to minimize taxes going forward. We have to maximize deductions, take advantage of all the opportunities that we have. We have to minimize the risk that is associated in our investments, because risk is like another tax, you know, market falls 50%, you know, that takes a significant amount of your capital away to produce income and to do different things. And it creates other pressures. Costs and fees are high. We want to increase savings rate during this time frame. And if you had the benefit of increasing savings rate, that would be great. We want to try to minimize the impact by, you know, of bad stuff happening by having maximum protection. Um, when I say that, having the best property and casualty, car insurance, homeowners insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, all those things are so vital and so important to your plan that if you don't have those things going on, you're at risk in a lot of places. So the idea is if I can minimize those risks and minimize the impact of taxation and fees and costs, and I can increase my savings rate, therefore I can increase the amount of wealth that I have, which therefore allows me to spend more money in, in retirement. And the ultimate goal is to spend, you know, is to pass more to the family at the same time. And this is something that not only should you rethink and revisit your financial plan on an ongoing basis, 
when you're forced into it with a tax law change, the most important thing coming is to really make sure that you've maximized those benefits. You've talked to your financial professionals because, you know, there is no miracle or magic financial professional. It's a series of people coming together, your accountant, your attorney, your financial advisor, financial planner, whatever he or she calls themselves, but, you know, making sure they have the right regulations and licenses and support and backup. But the idea is that team comes together and works on all of those benefits for you to reduce the taxes, to reduce the risk, to reduce the fees and costs, to increase your savings rate, to increase retirement income. And, you know, Increased retirement income is not necessarily um, a higher distribution rate. It's lower taxes or lower fees or lower costs. Those things translate into more enjoyment and more spending. Um, So as we get into the end of the year, we're going to be doing a lot more updates on this as far as what's happening. But in the meantime, I urge you to go to the website, go to smallwoodwealth.com, pick up a copy of my book. It's called It's Your Wealth, Keep It. Set up for a free, no obligation, wealth curve conversation with one of our advisors, completely free, no obligation, no cost for that. Make sure that you've talked to somebody. I find that this conversation is probably one of the best conversations that we can have with anybody. When people finish that conversation, we often hear from them that that was really wonderful. It's been, I've never had this kind of conversation with any advisor. Some people have. Not everybody. But the key is creating a long-term plan is not done in one or two actions. It's done by consistently rethinking, re-envisioning, refocusing, reassessing, looking at new products, looking at new tax laws, looking at new opportunities, and looking for ways to grow your wealth exponentially through the right strategies and through the right ideas. So I look forward to talking to you and listening to you and hearing your story while you're on the website, you can uh, sign up for a couple things that are there. You can request to get our newsletter list, which there's one that comes out on a monthly basis that goes out electronically. So you can get on that list and you can get on our event list and our podcast list. And I urge you to subscribe to the podcast. And if you have podcast ideas that you'd like to hear, we'd love to hear them. Um, we think it would be great because we're looking to do things that people want to hear and they want to benefit from. So appreciate it. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Want more from John? Connect now at smallwoodwealth.com and ask about getting your own Wealth Curve scorecard. That's smallwoodwealth.com. Wealth Curve Talk with John L. Smallwood is brought to you by Smallwood Wealth Management, an investment advisor representative. Strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone, and the information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action as information and or opinion are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Smallwood Wealth Management provides content that is true and accurate as of the date of publishing. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this website or podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including but not limited.
limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, misleading, or defamatory statements.